I guess before we 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 uh, get into it, you want to just go ahead, like introduce yourself, tell people what you do. Sure. So my name is Kinasha Whitehead. As I was selling OC, I just go by Nasha, and I am a corporate counsel for a nonprofit religious corporation. One of the um, world's largest global mission organizations. And I also own a, a professional writing services firm um, that I operate from here in Mississippi and online. And that's what I do. I'm a wife. <laughs> I'm a mom. I am a Black woman living with albinism in central Mississippi. So that's a, a huge part of, of my narrative. And yeah, I love Jesus. Uh-huh. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm just living life and I'm yeah. grateful to be here. Wow, you. man. That, <clears throat> that's the first of all, that's a great uh, intro. Most people are like too like modest or whatever, or they like just like, you know, go a little bit too in, but you, you just kept, it was perfect. Like, cause now I have like a, a million questions just off of everything. Yeah, no, no, but that, more specific. that's, that's great. No. So, so like, <clears throat> what does that even like entail in terms of, of, for, in terms of who you represent, who you work for, like, like what are the details behind that? So behind my job? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I am, I'm in-house counsel, so I serve under um, the general counsel, and I work with several other attorneys who represent uh, various areas of the mission organization, so intellectual property, real estate and contracts, global compliance, data privacy, and I am, I spearheaded the corporate team, so anything that has to do with um, just the management of our corporate governance. Uh, so dealing with our boards, uh, managing our, our entities, that kind of stuff. It's, it's mostly transactional. So lots of writing, lots of reading, lots of editing, um, and just supporting the boards and the decisions that they make. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sort of helping them along as they make really big decisions for the ministry. So yeah, okay. So so yeah, man, cool I mean stuff. this this is cool because I don't I, I don't think I've ever really um, <clears throat> like reading a little bit about you. I kind of never really drew a. Um, uh, I guess I never had any like reference in my head and where like the law meets religion in any kind of way. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. For, for some reason, the combination of those two things, like I've never really come across. Kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So, so it's, it's, it's interesting though, because uh, I mean, how, so how did you even, what was the path that like led to you going down like this specific lane in within the law? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, when I was at Millsaps, I well, I've all, I always wanted to. It's it's crazy. 
I always wanted to be a lawyer and a preacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so wow. my my dad was a, a Baptist pastor. Well, he actually pastored a Baptist church and a Pentecostal holiness church um, at the same time in two different locations. So that was a very um, kind of odd odd thing there. And my mom's also a minister and an educator. So that's ingrained in me. Like I grew up, like literally when people say they grew up in church, it's like I grew up in church, like there every day. Um, But I just, I loved, even early on, like I really loved um, scripture. And at some point as a teenager, took some real ownership of my faith and began to grow close with the Lord. Um, And so Again, like, and then the the law thing came about. I don't know if you remember. I, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 33, and there's this show that used to come on called Judging Amy. Um, no, <laughs> I, I don't. You, I don't remember. Okay. Um, she actually ended up being one of the doctors on Private Practice, another show that I yeah. used to love. Shout out Shonda Rhimes. But I love that show so much, and it it further solidified my desire to want to just grow up to be a lawyer. And to me, those two didn't really mix and match well or naturally. Mm. So when I got to college, I was political science, pre-law, and that's what I, that's what I studied. That's what I pursued. And then um, I started a college ministry while I was at Millsaps here in Jackson, Mississippi, and felt a real tug on my heart to um, go to seminary instead of law school. And I kind of resisted that at first because I wanted to do it the other way around, even though I know now in retrospect, had I gone to law school first, I would have never gone to seminary. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I landed at Oral Roberts University for seminary and I got my my Master of uh, Divinity there. And while I was there, I still felt, um, I just still felt this, this real urge to one day pursue law um, and that God was going to design a very unique path to cause the two to intersect and integrate in a meaningful way. Yeah. And um, so I graduated from seminary. I went back to Millsaps and I worked as an admin assistant with um, in the chaplain's office and for a program called the Faith and Work Initiative. And then I did that for about a year and a half and then finally felt that release to pursue law. And I went to law school and I thought out of the gate, I was going to do something that where I could integrate that interest in in faith and theology and law and advocacy and, and, and civil rights and all that together. And it, it did not happen that way. Uh, fresh out of law school, I ended up practicing just standard stuff, real estate, personal injury, a little bit of domestic relations, social security, workers comp, just your standard bread and butter type of practice areas. Um, I clerked for the Supreme Court of Mississippi and then um, our Hines County Youth Court for the county where I live. And then, um, well, let me go back. I interned with the organization where I work now when I was in law school. And that was where I, I sort of learned that, first of all, you know that if, if particularly for parachurch organizations, but even for churches now, I mean, churches are becoming so large. Like there are some churches that are, I mean, obviously you have churches that are, that are dying, but 
You have a sign, you know the mega church concept, whether you go or not, you're aware that there are churches that are large enough to have very sophisticated organizational and like business structures. Yeah. And um, as a result, they there are several legal implications for running organizations that are operating at such a high level. Um, And uh, so that's where I learned that like there, that, you know, churches and parachurch organizations like certainly need lawyers. And not only do they need lawyers, they need really good lawyers, but the unique thing about being a lawyer for a religious organization or corporation is that you've got to have buy-in to the mission in order to truly advocate um, for that cause with, with any real passion or rigor. So um, anyway, they invited me back to a candidacy process for um, the job that I have now. And it was pretty rigorous, lots of interviews, lots of of submissions, you know, paper submissions, that kind of thing. And anyway, I landed there and I actually just started this year. So I'm kind of living the dream um, right now because it's like, it finally, you know how it is. You're, you're kind of dibbling dabbling this over here and that over there. And then everything kind of finally comes together. It feels like it's finally coming together in a way that's rewarding. So, so yeah, that's kind of the path in a nutshell. Wow. I don't know. I hope it made sense. (laughs) Oh, no, no. It makes total sense. I mean, like, like the cool, I think the cool thing about, about what you just said is, is like, you don't even, um, or that you've, you've, you've done so many different things in law to know that like where you're at is where you actually want to be at. Like you didn't just go straight into it. So like, you know, you more than anyone, I guess, like really knows like, okay, like I've been around the block and I finally (laughs) settled into this thing. Um, which is, yeah, man, that's, that's funny. I, I actually, um, and it was purely based off of like what I saw about on, on like TV. Like for me, it was, if, if I wasn't going to be in the arts or sports, it probably would have been law just because like, yeah. yeah, all the scenes I saw in movies and TV shows, it's like, man, you just get to like yell and like argue your point. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Like, yeah. So, um, no, that would have been, that would have been like the, 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 I guess, profession for sure uh but i mean it sounds like so many um like of course like later on like i learn you know everyone learns like there's a you know there's trial lawyers and then like all the other lawyers are kind of just like doing like paperwork and this and that um but they're not necessarily like i wanted to do like the arguing and the yelling like that was that was why i would want to be a (laughs) lawyer um but anyway opposite of what i wanted to do like (laughs) even when i was in law school i'm like i do not want to litigate. And it's so weird because when I'm like preaching or, or teaching or, or chatting, the level of comfort and confidence is so markedly different from when I have been before judges, mm. wow. <laughs> you know, presenting arguments, there is a, a level of nervousness that I can't even describe. And so when I was in law school, I didn't, People will encourage me to try moot court, and I'm like, no, I just want to, I'm here to write and to advocate on paper primarily, but then also, like you said, there are different types of lawyers, and I'm more of a boardroom lawyer than a courtroom lawyer, and so learning that really helped to shape the path that I, that I sought to follow, too, so... But yeah, a lot of people want to want to do that. And I know, man, I've got some colleagues who will just 
<laughs> I mean, it, it's amazing watching them in action. I've got some mentors too, who I just marvel at their ability to to orate an argument. It's it's incredible. Yeah. No, that that's 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 awesome. Just because, like, I think um, I th- I think what you're what you're saying makes me realize that so much of the perspective given um, in law, like in in TV or film, it is like it's trial law. In that, um, uh, I guess I don't as a as a person totally outside of the field, it's hard to think about. Like the fact that that the most important aspects of like lawmaking or just like any legal, you know, issues or this versus that, like it's all done behind the scenes, like the most important aspects of it. And I guess like like as a regular person, I just have this general insight in like, you know, you know, your honor, this and that. Like, (laughs) but you know, it's like it's cool though, because the work that y'all like are really doing behind the scenes, like y'all like this is you know, someone, someone makes the law and then like people argue it in court, but it's like that forming of things that it's, it's so interesting. Like what are there, are there aspects of just like what you're doing, um, that maybe wasn't clear, like as a student, like in terms of like what the day to day actually is and maybe what you thought it would be like. Yeah. You mean like as a lawyer? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, most certainly. Um, one thing that that I that I learned um, in law school, and they, they really try to drive this point home, is that, and most people don't realize this, and I think it's a, it's it's really it's a really hard pill to swallow for lawyers who are desiring to be trial lawyers at high levels, is that most attorneys will never try a case, mm-hmm. ever. even if you you set out to be a trial lawyer. Um, And it depends on, I mean, obviously, if you're in criminal law, you have more of a shot at at trying a case. Um, But even as a civil attorney, most cases are settled. And even with your, you know, in criminal law, most people, especially if they're guilty, are going to take deals and it's never going to go to the full on, you know, jury trial. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I've seen cases that settle like the night before trial <laughs> yeah. and you put all you got this whole, you know, thing together because I mean, putting putting a trial together is, is quite an astronomical feat. So um, I never really just wanted to go to trial, not as like a, a not sitting as a chair attorney, meaning like I don't want to present any arguments. I just want to go and watch, you know, mm-hmm. the real thing live. But I think I think the difference between what I my expectations were pretty solid because I had clerked for some law firms and um, a state agency, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, because I was when I was in law school, I actually focused on intellectual property because I was so into music. I thought that I wanted to represent um, artists and musicians um, with copyright, that kind of thing. So I got to see that aspect of it. So I really got, I got to, I made sure that I had, that I had a clear picture of what the day to day would be. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes, I mean, it's not as exciting as, as it looks on TV, but it depends on the nature of your work. Like what I'm doing now is not as thrilling by far as when I work for youth court. Mm -hmm. I mean, in youth court, it's something every day that is, 
intriguing, mainly because you've got a child protection services docket, you know what all goes with that, you know, abuse and neglect, and then you've got a juvenile delinquency docket, which (laughs) you can imagine what all goes on with that. So, and that was probably the most, that that was probably the most interesting on my toes position that that I've ever had, but but um, for for the most part, it's it's not the what we see on TV is like Showtime, yeah, right? Yeah. But for the most part, it's lots of reading, it's lots of writing, and just preparing to know what you're talking about, yeah. you know. And in my case, if we're getting ready to meet with with clients or a different segment of the ministry, and they need to know something about a specific topic, it's about just knowing it well enough to advise them properly so it one aspect I do love about it is that I love to learn and I love to know things and to know them well well enough to uh, advise folks and so um that's that's always fun like that a part of your job a big part of your job is just learning yeah (laughs) you know I I've got to say too like uh, had you gone down the the music route where you represented artists, because I know like you know this is audio, so people can't see you, but like you look the part. Like if I I'm a oh, musician, yeah, no, because you you you're very stylish. If people listen, oh, like, she has like on this like really cool hat, like really <laughs> earrings, and like no, you're you're stylish. So like if I if I saw you, yeah, of course. No, I'm a musician, so I'd be like, yep, yep, hire her because you just you look the part. You look the part, so. Well, yeah. thank you. I think, and you know, I think that's kind of, I can, I think I confuse people too, because <laughs> like I've got, you know, I've got tattoos on my arm and yeah. it's like, I'm a preacher slash corporate lawyer, you know, who wears fedora hats and <laughs> you know, um, really colorful, eclectic earrings and that kind of thing. And I, I really love that about just embracing who I am and not, I've always enjoyed, well, I say I've always enjoyed, I haven't always been at this place because obviously it took a while to get here, but just embracing not fitting in a box because I, so much of my life, early life was devoted to trying to fit in and trying to belong and trying to be just one dimensional and accepted. And when I got over that and was healed from that, I am just me. You know what, what you're saying right now, I was just, I was just talking to someone the other day um, about how weird it is like from zero to 17, I guess for like the typical person uh, where most of the time it's like, you know, maybe we're in school or whatever and we're looking around and we're like, spending our time trying to figure out how to fit in. And then like you get older and you go to job interviews or you go to social events or whatever. And like, now it's like, man, like, well, what, how do I stand out? Like, how do I stick out? So it's like, (laughs) it's weird. It's weird that like we're raised in a way to like be as agreeable, as simple and as easy as possible to like fit in with our peers, which obviously like, I think like, fitting in really should be like, can you work with people? Like it, fitting in shouldn't mean like, are you the same kind of person as others? Right. It's like, can yes. you just, can you gel with people? Can you still be you, but just like be a part of a community? Like, I feel like yes. that's the aspect as a kid that's like harder to understand is that like, 
like fitting in just means like, well, what, who am I in my like community and like, how do I serve this thing? But it doesn't mean like, like, it's just weird. We spend so many years like personally trying to be something. And then like, again, like we go to an interview, maybe 200 people are showing up and then like some person in a suit's like, well, how do you stand out? And it's like, man, maybe I've (laughs) never asked myself that question before. I've been trying to be like everybody else. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That is so good. I, I love that. No, it's just, yeah, no, it's, it's true, dude. And, and, and I think, I guess it stands out more like as a, as a musician, like, um, that I guess, you know, you show up to auditions or whatever. So it's a little bit more in your face in terms of the need to stand out. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's a bit, it's, it's an extreme way of like figuring that out as a person. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's interesting. I, and I love that you say that. And, and, um, you know, I, if you want, like, I guess you can go down like that route in terms of just like, cause obviously you've gotten to a point where you, you're a preacher, you're a corporate lawyer in that, like, to some degree, even the combination of those things, or maybe the way like you're living or working now, there aren't that many examples of people making multiple things like work. So like, Mentally, what was that like journey for you in terms of like even realizing that like, man, this is possible. I can do this. I can like make all of this work. Yeah, you know, quite honestly, I'm I'm still <laughs> I'm, I'm still learning that it can all um, that it can all work. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess the the process of for for me. Um, I have always been, and and this is not to toot my own horn at all. It it actually has been a a struggle. I've always been like a jack of all trades (laughs) (laughs) and a master of none. Um, (laughs) and I, so I really struggled in my, in my life, in my career with being a person who could pretty much do anything proficiently. Like anything you put in front of me, I could do it proficiently. You wanted me to plan an event, I could do that proficiently. You wanted me to, you know, go to court and represent a client, I could, you know, do that proficiently as well. You wanted me to go sing, you know, <laughs> in a church or, you know, I could do, but I, but I struggled with never finding like a niche where I was the absolute best, where I was sought after as a specialist and expert. And so I've always been trying to find that one. And I can, you know, I can write really well. And that's probably, that's probably the, I would say my uh, top gifting, but but even still, like, and you're all, and my mom taught me growing up, like, you're always going to meet people who are better than you or who are considered the best. And that may not be you at a given time. And so you just learn from that person. But obviously there's this, and I love this so much about me understanding, like, my identity as a child of God, that, like, there's only one nausea. Like, there's one only one OC. There will never be another you or me. And so it, it, so for me, it's about being the one thing I can be the best at is being myself. And when I got that revelation, everything else just began to flow and the freedom was just so, um, I don't know, it was invigorating. And so at that point, it's like, yes, I, at any given day, I'm wearing a different, 
I'm wearing a different hat and I have all these things that I want to do and realizing that I can do all the things that I want to do as long as I'm doing them from an authentic place of just being myself. Um, So for me, it's like everything flows as long as I'm being myself, (laughs) um, my authentic self in that, in that role as a corporate lawyer, as a, you know, as a minister, as a sister, friend, you know, wife, mom, then it all just kind of works. And I call myself a Tinker Fairy. I don't know. You probably have never seen Tinkerbell. Have you ever seen Tinkerbell? The original Tinkerbell? Oh, no, not the the original. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so, you know, all the fairies have... Tinkerbell is a Tinker Fairy, which means that she just, like, they find random things. They're, they're, like, resourceful, right? They can fix anything. They can find... They can make something out of nothing. But she wanted to, like, she... In the movie, she went through this struggle of... Like there were light fairies who just dealt with like matters of the light. Like there were animal fairies who just dealt with like the animals. And she wanted like a specific thing. She's like, I feel out of sorts because I'm like a tinker, you know, like I just, I'm just a things fairy, you know, like all the things. And so I am all the things, you (laughs) know, but um, again, uh, yeah. So that's kind of how it all comes together for me. I feel like I'm not making sense, but. No, dude, everything, everything you said makes perfect sense. I would say (laughs) I'm, I'm like the, 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 actually before I even say that, I I would would like to say like, um, there's, there's nothing like, uh, um, cause like you said, it's a, it's a never ending journey in terms of like, um, you know, getting to your core and, and finding out who you like your authentic self is. But yeah. there there is nothing like that moment where hopefully everyone has um, and hopefully like early on in your life where like um, you realize that like your your job is to like is to ba- basically like be comfortable in your own skin. Like I-, I think, I think when you realize like there's no way around that, so that's exactly what I should go for. That's like what I should work towards um, in terms of just like, um, you know, uh, whether it's a career thing or personally, like, I, I don't know, I-, I really resonated with what you just said in terms of being like your authentic self. Cause um, there's, it's just so freeing when like you, I think I think when you have those moments where you're like genuinely proud of yourself and like you feel you're in a good spot and you're moving forward like there you can't you you can only buy that by really like believing in yourself and like believing that you are enough to be yeah. great and like mm-hmm. so I I really I re- I really like resonate with with uh, what you said and um yeah I can okay. also relate in terms I think I have a, a jack of all trades uh, I think I naturally have that um, uh, kind of personality, but like at the same time, I, I, in terms of my niche thing would be tuba um, in that like in some aspects, I, I'm, I'm like grateful for it because it, it ended up just being like a vehicle uh, to teach me like the, the value of consistency in that like yeah, right. it's, it's really weird, you know, and I, I think a lot of like artists listen to um, this like podcast. So they probably get it from the sense that like um, when you like remember that in fourth grade or fifth grade, you're like playing this song in, you know, your, your band class or whatever. And you know, you sound like crap, you sound terrible. Mm-hmm. And like, but then, and then like 10 years later, you're like on stage at some like big concert and you're like, man, like that, 
thing I was doing as like a kid and like here, like here I am now, it's like, like when you, it's, it's, it's a privilege to see something that you like consistently did pay off because like it, it, it teaches you the value of consistency. And it's like, you know, even now it's like, okay, like, like right now, what's something that, um, I'm, I've never, I don't think I've ever shot a bow and arrow, but it's like, I feel like I could go into it today and be like, you know what, man, like if I, if I have this mentality of like doing it every day for 15 minutes for like the next 10 years, that might be another thing that I can look back on and be like, wow, like look at all that progress, you know? So, um, no, anyway, I mean, I, I, I relate to you on that, on that level in that, like, um, uh, uh, being really, really, really good at one thing, um, the, the, the benefit to it is that like, it's just such a, it's such a all encompassing journey. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I think like, like you said, being proficient at a lot of things, it's really hard to like ignore an opportunity somewhere, especially if you know you could do it to like a, a, a certain level and yeah. like really just stick on one thing. But it, again, it sounds like, it sounds like you're really on, uh, I mean, it sounds like you already are, but if not, like definitely on your way and like perfectly blending all these things that yeah. you're doing, you know? Yeah. And for me, I think if I, at this point now, and which is why I recently started the, well, last year, the writing services firm is that I, writing is definitely my niche. Like if I had to, that is something, it, it's interesting you say that because uh, it, it makes me think that it is the one thing that I have consist is the one gift I've consistently honed my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, even from, I mean, from the time I could read and write, I've always been in advanced English and writing courses. And um, Hollis Robbins actually was my, uh, (laughs) she was my intro to thinking and writing professor. She gave me the first C I'd ever received on a paper. Yeah. (laughs) But but it was because, and I went and talked to her about it because I was very confused, but it was because she really believed in my ability to write. Um, at a very just um, like superb level. And and she saw that, but obviously it needed some developing and <laughs> some, some, some nurturing. And uh, that, I mean, for me, like writing, and I know that like that's the thing um, that I feel like all of this is going to culminate in just like one big memoir that's gonna, yeah. you know, set the world on fire kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm too busy nowadays helping other people write and not writing as much yeah. um, myself. But but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like I mean, I've got yeah. So yeah do do you have do you have any like uh, um, maybe like letters or things that you wrote maybe as like a high schooler or a college student that like you would have now that you could look back on and kind of like, just be like, man, like this is, this is where I was at, like at this time and, and oh, compare yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I've got, um, I've got papers that have won, you know, contests. And, uh, even when I was in college, I won a poetry contest because that was really my thing. I started out in poetry and not writing short stories, which is basically, I basically write like personal short stories now. Um, I was recently writing for a platform called Black Wife Life, which helped me to get back into writing more personal story kind of stuff. But yeah, I've got those that I can just put my hand on and be like, first of all, just what, what was I talking about? (laughs) And it's good stuff, you know, for at that time period, you know, to be 13 or 
16 or 20, it's, it's good stuff. It's not yeah. bad, but it's not obviously as polished yeah. as my writing is now. Um, and I, I do, I love to write and not just, not just to write, but I mean, I have really taken time to develop like the craft of, you know, grammar and syntax. And I've got, <clears throat> I've got all these books <laughs> that I use and reference. And even when I was in seminary, um, I edited dissertations and, and I was like, a, I say bootleg, but it, it, I worked <laughs> in the writing center, but I had the, our, our boss, who was the chair of the English department, teach me how to do the diagnostics for people when they come in so that you know like what their issues are, like whether it's common writing errors or commas or sentence structure. And so I, you're, you're absolutely right. Like there is always kind of this one underlying thing, I think, that, that helps us develop discipline. Because I think when you're creative and an artist, it's really easy to be all over the place. That whole jack of all traits thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it is good to have something that kind of grounds you and teaches yeah. you discipline. And like you said, where you can see like, um, the payoff on the investment in the time. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, and you're, you're, you're definitely right about being, um, an artist. And I think it depends on like, um, I guess what lane in music that you're into than that, like, like one of the, there's a lot of pros and cons about being like a, a classically trained, uh, musician in that, like, um, you have to, I think most of us, um, spend time like removing the shackles like over time in that like uh because there's such a there's such a there's like no there is no really like um there's only one level in pro like being a professional classical musician there aren't like really like bad and great orchestras like you just they're just all great yeah, and it like like you know like there's just you just have to be great to even be in that arena, um, and yeah. and, for, and for you know for people for people to be like I'm going to spend seventy bucks to go see these people like play these strings play that tuba tonight at you know whatever hall you just have to be really good and um yeah, right. you know it's it's not like how like in football like you can have like the cleveland browns and then like the patriots and like one is really <laughs> you know what I mean? like, like they're just like they're just all the patriots they're all like, whatever you know okay. yeah that that's basically it and um anyway that mentality like you know because you're practicing maybe two three hours a day for some instruments more and then like you then maybe go into like hip hop or pop and people are like having fun. You're looking around in the studio like, why, are you, why is everyone having fun right now? Like this is very right. serious. We're doing and, things by ear versus by. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so <laughs> it's funny, man, because people put like musician on, um, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll it's, I'm always interested to see what people think of when they hear the word musician, because like the guy who plays you know, Yo-Yo Ma is a musician and Lil Wayne is a musician. So like that's, those are two very like, you know, definitions of musician. And so you're absolutely right in that. Like, I guess within music, like the, the, um, being like classical music probably has, uh, the most objectivity in terms of like, it needs yeah. to be this way, sound this good all yeah. the time. Like the metrics are exactly. very firmly determined. Yeah. And then like the other ones, but the other, uh, uh, forms of music, maybe if you're trying to be a rapper or a pop star, it's all about like, like you have to be like 
very honest with yourself and hopefully have really good taste because like it's a little yeah. bit more subjective like there's other elements that it like relies on like maybe you have to like look a certain way or this like the the guys in the in the orchestra i mean they can be like supermodels or they can just be like the most like grotesque people on earth it, 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 like no one really cares you just have to sound really good but you know so no anyway it's 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 crazy because like like yes even even still though i think within like how i was trained um it's very easy to need to like find a like release and like there's still room to like like i guess mess up maybe like as a person, like at least for me, like especially in college, I'd be like, man, I played tuba for 30 hours this week. Like I need to have a drink. Like I need to like go somewhere. And like, like it was intense. And um, yeah, it's a very personal process of like, mm -hmm. you know, like maybe you go to an audition and someone said like, you know what? No, you're not the right fit. And depending on who you are, like maybe you heard like maybe they said those exact words, you know, you're not the right fit, but like maybe you processed it as like, you're a terrible person or you're this yeah, or that. So not good enough. Yeah. yeah. So like the mental health aspect too of being an artist, like you have to be, it's weird because you kind of have to have like a business mindset when thinking of yourself, but like the process of the music making still needs to be yeah. like pure and like hopefully coming from like a real authentic place. So it's a weird blend of like mindsets you have to have. Um, Man, yeah. yeah. So, so you you sing you sing a bit. Do you do you like do you are are you? Is it like purely for fun? Are you ever like are you ever singing at stuff or doing things like? Well, I haven't. I, man, it's been a while since I have like sang publicly. It's normally in conjunction with preaching a lot of times. Mm. Um, when I was the last church that I attended, uh, I was part of like you know just like a singing team, like a not a choir, but kind of like a praise and worship team. Um, but <clears throat> I am very mildly classically trained. I was on music scholarship, vocal oh, scholarship, nice. Um, nice. partially at Millsaps. And um, so that was always really fun. I, there, I pretty much focused on um, the classical spiritual. So mm. lots of the recitals and, and solos that I do were, were classical spiritual. So that's always are really fun. I like to sing those now around my daughter, hoping that she'll pick up an interest in it. But it's funny you say that because when when I was when I was in college, I sang in just our our uh, standard choir, and then um, was invited to sing with the chamber choir. Mm. And we and I don't compare this to your level of training <laughs> expertise at all. Cause it was, again, it was just kind of an elective thing for me, but, um, but we were just kind of singing so much that I would really look, I mean, like, you know, in the classical realm that I would really look forward to uh, going missing gospel on the, the weekends, you know, cause I had friends, I had several friends who were musicians, you know, drummers who would get together and kind of shed and, invite um you know guys who would just kind of hop on the piano and then they'd invite some singers and we just kind of you know get together wow. and just jam and it was really fun and i remember uh, one time um I, I did switch vocal coaches after this but my vocal coach you know she just told me like singing gospel is going to ruin your voice and i'm like you know wow, <laughs> so wow. devastating to me and you know and she was 
Oh, you know, she, she did not sing gospel. <laughs> she did not come from a gospel background. <laughs> you know, she's a little sweet old white lady. And yeah. um, she's like, you're going to ruin your voice, like, doing that. Um, because one time I came back and I was forced, you know, but we were, it was, it was a, a full weekend of singing. But, um, but yeah, so that's kind of some of my, like, background with singing. And I think the last time I sang, like, on a, Probably like a main stage would have been I sang for my law school graduation. I sang the benediction. So Oh wow. That's awesome. So yeah, that was yeah, that was fun. I sang to God be the glory. And it was uh, uh one of my colleagues or classmates at the time, he uh hopped on the piano for me. He's like a Baptist, you know, musician. Yeah. So he kind of gave me a little soul with it. And we did kind of a mix between like the classical version and the gospel version and, and it turned out turned out really well. But I miss singing a lot. That's probably the one thing I miss the most yeah. about um, just not singing is yeah. is not. And I don't have like a lot of my friends who are who we would get together and do those things before. Like you know, we're married, got kids, and you know, if you're not, if I'm not singing like with a church group, it's kind of hard to yeah <laughs> just kind of do it, yeah. you know, like other than just around my house. It's I'm not like on the circuit or anything by any means. So. Right. No, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm like, I was just like laughing for a second. Cause I, I was thinking about like, like how music and being a preacher in terms of like, there's moments where like they are directly like intertwined, like it, in that oh, yeah. I yeah. think of um uh like, it's so cool that you're, you can uh, sing and you're also a preacher because there'll be sermons, maybe like a, a preacher will like give this like kick ass sermon, just absolutely amazing <laughs> sermon. But like, you know, then they have to lead, um, they, they like sing the, uh, the and melody. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like for, for people. And oh, it's yes. like, of course this guy's a preacher. So like, he's not a singer. So it'd be like this kick-ass, like this kick-ass sermon and then just like terrible singing. <laughs> and I've just, I've just always laughed at how like, it's it just, it's, it's one of the few like things in where like you can see someone do something that like they're really, really good at and what they've trained <laughs> for. And then like, here's this side thing that like maybe you weren't even like aware is a part of the job. And like, you just like, but with you, it's like, man, like I, it, people probably just sitting there like, man, I don't know if like the sermon was better, if the singing was better. Like you, you're like, you're like providing like all aspects of like what is required of a preacher, <laughs> which is really interesting. Oh like, my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. And I know, and yeah, and you know, man, when a, a pre and I'm not talking about myself, I'm just talking about the preachers, some of the preachers <laughs> I admire. There are some preachers out there who can really just like really preach and really sing. And my yeah. dad was that way. I mean, he was he was like a singing preacher. And there were times when he would preach from the organ, um, which is my favorite instrument, by the way. Um, yeah. and he would be on the organ, like literally playing his like runs while he was like tuning up and you know all of his chords yeah, <laughs> he's got yeah. his bible open where music sheets should be but there's no music sheets because it's just kind of you know flowing from his soul and so yeah that's always a, a really neat combination to watch um in a ministry performance is is like a a, a preacher who can yeah. preach and then sing and kind of Man. intermittently go back and forth between 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 both of them so yeah. it's, it's interesting because like I, I now I wonder if um I, I would guess that the process is a lot of people who like come up through church 
um, that can sing really well are like, you know what? I, I think I could like be a preacher too. And then it's like the, the music is like combined <laughs> with being a preacher. But like, I wonder how many people have first gone into preaching and then were like, oh shit, I can kind of sing too. And then like <laughs> are just like amazing singers and they just didn't like know that until they became a preacher. Like, I wonder, I wonder if there's anyone out there like that, that was just like, that picked yeah. up like the music after the preaching. After the preaching. And, yeah. Like, that- yeah. That, yeah, they would be a unique person because I think most people kind of segue from singing yeah. into preaching just because when you sing, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not a like, performer by any means. So obviously there are people who can speak to this better than me, but I think um, like when you're a singer, when you're, when you're performing, you have to give some kind of dialogue, like some kind of text or context for what you're singing, especially when you're singing gospel, like people are expecting you to sing, but then also to exhort the, mm. the crowd um, with sort of the scriptural basis of what you're singing, the inspirational, um, you know, sort of layers of what you're singing. And so in that way, you become a preacher, like in those instances, like wow. in very like small snippets, yeah. snippets you're, you're preaching throughout the performance. And so I think it's a lot easier to kind of segue, but that would be really interesting to like preach and then really, cause I mean, you know, whether or not you can sing like very early on. Yeah. Um, even though I do have a, a friend who I went to seminary with who says that he could not sing when he was young and he practiced and he can sing really well now, but yeah. his, he and his family say that he could not sing when he yeah. was young. So it, could, like it, could, it could be a thing where it's like relative to the people you're around like I'm sure like um like whoever of the Jackson Five is like the least like talented singer I'm sure like maybe like they hang out with their friends that like <laughs> aren't family and they're like man like I'm so like sad because like I'm a terrible singer and then like they hear him sing they're like dude you're amazing but like he's right. singing he's singing next to Michael <laughs> Jackson right you yeah, know so, it's like not, it's it's yeah. one of those things where it's like man like I guess if you come from a um like I know people who are really really good at what they do, but like the people in their family are just even better. So like they think that they're terrible at it. Yeah, and it's like nah, like you got you just gotta like leave your house, you know, like to get to yeah. get props, right? Yeah, you know um, the the first time, by the way, uh, I should mention like. I got into Rance Allen uh, in like the last two years, oh, like his, like his discography, him. yeah. Um, and like I listened to him, like the right. second I started listening to him i didn't listen to any other artist for like three days and i listen to music like all day every day so i was just like dude this guy is insane because he just like um i think i mean he's a great example of like the the preacher singer dynamic in that like like he he has there's some people in gospel that have um uh voices and where it's like I, I respect them so much because if they had gone into the pop lane or R and B lane, yeah, they'd be right. wildly successful. Yeah, um, right. I'm I'm trying to think of uh, man, I forget her name. She did the maybe I'll look it up real quick. She did the uh, Anita Baker tribute on uh, BET Awards. Um, God, I'm gonna kick myself. Uh, was it Lee Andrea? No, no, no. It was. Um, let me. I'm gonna look it up. Real I didn't quick. watch. The, I haven't watched the BT yet. So. Oh yeah, no, I I I don't either. But this performance I saw on YouTube and it was amazing. And uh, so she was covering Anita Baker's song, 
And okay. the whole time I was just I'm like, sure wait. I'm sure when you pull it up, I'll know who it is, but I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. How, Jesus Christ, Yolanda Adams, of course. Oh, yeah, um, so she, oh, yeah, she's like my favorite. Yeah, she's my favorite. Female gospel singer coming up. Yeah, yeah. She, she's my favorite female gospel singer, like, yeah. for sure, ever. And she was, so she was co- covering Anita song. I was just like, wait, the cover is, like, better. She was, like, doing stuff that, like, I don't think Anita can technically do. Uh, in yeah. all respect to Anita, of course, but... No, homegirl's got vocal gymnastics out of this <laughs> And you know she was, like, a school teacher. Yeah. And then she, like, kind of branched into modeling because she was, like, really tall and thin. And then she just... Like like to sing is something she just kind of like to do, but yeah. then like you said, like she just realized like wow, like I'm pretty yeah. extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> and then so um yeah, she was my favorite coming yeah. up. Like man, I loved her and I love I like Rance Allen a lot too. But my favorite male gospel singer is a guy named Daryl Coley. Daryl Coley. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but you gotta listen and report back when you do. Oh, one hundred percent. His voice is oh, it's not of this world. It's out of this world. I'm gonna it's I'm incredible. I'm looking at him up. How, how do you spell his last name? I just want um, like C O L E Y. Okay. And maybe check out a song um called When Sunday Comes. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So when Sunday comes to live is Christ is actually my favorite song by him. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's got oh man, it's Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check him out, man. But yeah, yeah no, it's it's a it's a it's amazing because like um you know it's funny that what you were just saying because I didn't know that about Yolanda in terms of like she just kind of like like happened to realize that she is like sing uh, can sing. Um, uh, this is you know, it, it's just funny. I, I laughed at that because like black people are just amazing in that way. Like I know so many pe- like black people that just like stumble upon talents that they have like they didn't even know. They're just like, oh, like, oh, I guess like I like it. There, there's so many athletes even that like they'll start their sport in like 10th or 11th grade, which is very late. And they're just like, mm-hmm. oh, I just happen to be ready for the NFL combine in like three years. <laughs> like, I know you we know? are a people of robust <laughs> yeah. talent and gifting. And I mean, obviously, I mean, you probably know this, but because of our oftentimes because of our life circumstances, we just don't have time to explore a lot mm-hmm. of the creative sides, you know, mm-hmm. because we're navigating really kind of just harsh dynamics a mm-hmm. lot of times or working, like having to just yeah. like work to make it like those really like free flowing, creative, the creative nature of us. We don't have time to really like engage it and, mm-hmm. you know, let alone try to foster it and put it out there for the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm, it's always cool when somebody you know, like when one of us, we just kind of like discover it, embrace yeah. it, and just let it blow up. You know, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. I agree. It's it's weird. This is kind of like random, but but I'm I'm kind of now just thinking like, um, do you ever interact with people or even like? Because I I don't I don't know if like so if if there's genres in music it's very easy for me to like pick up my horn and just start playing different genres but in terms of like being a lawyer i don't know how easy it is to like step in and out of like other forms of law so i say that in that like um do you ever interact with people like more on like the civil rights side was there ever like a moment where um uh you wanted to uh um 
like be in civil rights as, as like a lawyer or like, like, like yeah yeah or like kind of be like more like in that social justice lane like um you know civil rights law has always intimidated me just because there are so i know i have so many colleagues who are out in the fields who are doing civil rights and are advocating in man such phenomenally and tremendously impactful ways. And yeah, it's it's never been my lane, but um, I'm a part of, so Mississippi has what's called the Magnolia Bar Association. It's the bar association for black attorneys and judges. It was started because originally, of course, the Mississippi bar, which is now a mandatory bar, would not um, admit uh, African-American attorneys. Mm. And, and, and there weren't even any black judges to even be considered at that point. Um, and so through that organization, those of us who, and most of us don't, I mean, most of the black attorneys don't practice in the area of civil rights. It's a very... Um, As you can imagine, it's a a highly specialized area um, to kind of learn, to learn the law and to, and it's one of those things where you, you constantly got to be on your toes because you're going to get a call about a civil rights violation and you're going to have to know what to do in the moment. Like, what's the legal course of action? Like, how do we, like, what do we need to organize? You know, do we need to go to the jail? Do we need to post bail? You know, like, it's like a whole, um, like, who do we need to contact on the advocacy side or on who's got the grassroots organizations that now have to come alongside? And, you know, it's a holistic, comprehensive effort um, with that kind of stuff. But um, those of us who are part of the MAGBAR, we get to participate in ways, we get to volunteer. So, um, like, for instance, there's a a one voice, one vote. I believe that's what it's called um, here where it's a voter protection initiative. So on election days um, for all types of elections, you know, municipal all the way up to, you know, federal, we uh, attorneys can volunteer. And I've done this before to uh, sort of be on call if there are um, illegalities happening at the polling places, you know, Mm -hmm. so they'll call us and then we can get in touch with the right people or sort of advise the people who are supervising the polling places of what to do, um, you know, or even just a person calling and saying, hey, they're asking for my ID or, you know, whatever. And we can say, hey, that's not, that's not legal. That's not right. So I've appreciated organizations like the MAGBAR, um, expungement clinics, for instance, um, and just other like know your rights, events. So for me, I'm like a behind the scenes person. I'm kind of a communications person for the mag bar. So I like do the social media stuff. But um, so that's pretty much like the way that I kind of stay connected and stay involved because I do feel um, a civic obligation for sure to stay connected to the movement and um, to do my part. But yeah, no. So I knew that civil rights wasn't going to be my thing. And plus, I had so many classmates in law school who you just kind of knew that like they were going to be like the next, <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, the next person kind of on the ground and yeah. uh, those things. So, um, so yeah. But. Yeah. No, there is a certain like kind of energy that you have to have. Like, yeah. like it's just one of those things that like, you can't really like, um, you can't manufacture it. It's yeah. gotta just be. Yeah. 
Got to like, flow out of you. Yeah, it's one of those things like it's bigger than money. I mean, obviously, you know, if, if you wanted to, to go into law for, for money, I'm sure civil rights is not like the one that's making the big, big bucks. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's like it's not one of those. Yeah, it's one of those things where like, man, if you're going into it, there's a real mission there. Um, so that mm -hmm. makes sense. And and that that that's cool because I mean I I mean even going back to uh, what you focus on um, are there it, it's weird I don't even know enough about it to like know what the <laughs> challenges could be in your in your profession like maybe with what you face but I imagine like in every profession there's like some challenge or co like controversy or whatever that you know might make your job harder or easier so so what what are there things that like you you deal with on a daily basis like that. Um, not necessarily. I mean, the work for me, the work kind of is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's corporate governance. So, mm -hmm. I mean, other than tr just trying to help organizations to, or the particular one that I work for to just kind of navigate their corporate governance well, um, there are really no surprises there. I think for me, Stepping into the corporate space um, as a black female, um, I work for a predominantly white organization, and you know it's it's Christian, it's evangelical Christian, and so um, just trying to navigate the space from that angle, um, it, it presents certain challenges. So um, you know, just trying to. Uh, I don't want to say get in where I fit in because that is not accurate at all. But like we were talking about, like being my authentic uh, self mm -hmm. in that space. Um, and of course, like when you're, I'm the only black attorney in, in my, in my office. And so there's that whole representation piece, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just, I don't even really know what to say, but really just trying to navigate that with integrity mm -hmm. um, and making sure that if there is ever a point where I need to speak up and speak out about um, what is right or what is wrong, that I'm that I'm confident in doing that and that I do it from a place that is um, from a place of peace and uh, a, a professional place, but at the same time, um, just a place of passion that all people would be, you know, treated fairly and, and equally and, and represented, you know, well. So that's probably what I navigate most in my space that would be challenging. And I don't navigate that a whole, I don't have to navigate that a whole lot because um, our organization is doing a lot of work around, um, you know, diversity and, um, you know, oneness. They don't call it inclusion there because, you know, it's a Christian organization. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, inclusion is just not a word that, that we use, but yeah. they use. So, um, but yeah, so they're doing a lot of work around that. So there's great sensitivity mm -hmm. to it right now. So, um, so that's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. Um, <laughs> lots of hard and courageous conversations yeah. taking place and um and a lot of people who are coming to the table you know um white people <laughs> who are coming to the coming to the table asking questions you know and really truly wanting to learn um how to be how to be allies so yeah. some not 
<laughs> yeah. No, which but, is interesting. because like, a lot are. So um, it's a good time to kind of be there and a part of that movement um, within that microcosm. So. Yeah. No, and, and everything you're saying also just trying to remember, like, within the context of um, uh, Mississippi. Am I, am I correct with, with that? Um, that? That's where you are. So it's like... Yes. like um, <laughs> Well, I mean, someone, Mississippi. I don't know, Mississippi. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's small from from my perspective. Right. But, um, <laughs> nah, that that's it's just yeah, it, as a as an East Coaster, uh, the majority of my life, and then recently coming out here to um, uh, LA, like even just like my, um, um, I, I have I've not really spent. I have probably spent two days total in the entire South of the United States of America. <laughs> like, really? You gotta I, get down yeah, there. I, I know. I've only had like East Coast like mac and cheese and this and that. And everyone's just like, man, like you, you're, you're you, you are deprived. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, in a serious up. way. Because <laughs> like I love all that stuff too. So like I know I'm missing out. Um which is it's gonna change soon because like I'm kind of realizing like I think like 2016 um, uh, made me realize like that was the beginning of realizing like man like there's like just a whole other side to the country s- many sides uh, to the country like I just do yeah. not um, understand and not just like the south but also like the middle of of America you know middle America where it's middle like America. yeah it's like like <laughs> yeah you know because because I'll very much like admit like to me um I guess growing up on the East Coast, like to me, it's like, man, there's New York, there's LA, I guess like the a couple other cities. And then everything else is just like, you know, <laughs> everything else. And right. like like I think that mindset, like, like that being said, you know, things that you just said, like being uh uh just being first of all, just being a black woman in general, but being a black woman in the workplace, and like, you know, um also we're talking about like religion as well. So like that that's also another thing that's like in terms of yeah. the seriousness, how it's executed, the optics of it all. It's all like it. All I know is that it's very different in the South than it is like in L.A. Yeah. or in New York in terms of like how. Um, I mean, I imagine that that religion and I guess specifically, uh, you know, Christianity um, in a state like Mississippi. I mean, like. It's, it's and I actually work in Florida, so my corporation's in. It's actually a, a it's a California corporation that's oh, headquartered wow. in Orlando. So wow. we're actually getting ready to relocate. So yeah, wow. so that's a whole another. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so it's not here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got you. But it's yeah. Still, I mean, Florida people. Mm, yeah. They're in the south. I mean, they're <laughs> geographically. They're yeah. in the south, but culturally, it's. It's not the South as most would understand the South. Yeah, no, I was actually. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to like overturn (laughs) question. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. I was gonna like correct myself earlier. Uh, when I was like, wait, no, I have been in the South for like a week because I went to Disney World. But then I, I was like, nah, because Florida's <laughs> not really the South. So, um, yeah, and I went to like Miami for a couple of days. But like, nah, I'm, I'm thinking like. Not I'm thinking, to me anyway. There are some yeah. folks who would, would argue differently. But I'm from Mississippi, so, you, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, Florida, Florida definitely has its own, like, it's its own it is, thing. Unto it, itself. Like, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, no, but, but um. Yeah, no, that's just it's just uh, uh, interesting. So I, I guess I didn't I didn't ask you where you were uh, born and raised, but uh, where is that for you? 
So I'm from Mississippi. I'm actually okay. from the Mississippi Delta. Okay. Which is, I mean, when you think about Mississippi and then you think about Mississippi, like the yeah. Delta yeah. is probably what, when people think about Mississippi, I think they mostly think about um, the Delta, like a lot of what, a lot of Mississippi that's reflected um, I th- especially I think in entertainment and historically mm-hmm. what's been reflected and how the state's been represented would probably be like that Delta region. It's, you know, rural farmland um, kind of area. But now I live in the capital city of Jackson. So it's yeah. a metropolitan area and um, we call the city with soul and yeah. soul we've got for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, so this is, I mean, I'm basically in the, in the city now, um, it's central Mississippi. So the Delta's up North, um, toward Tennessee, but, but yeah, so I was born and raised in Mississippi and I've only lived when I went to ORU for seminary, it was in Tulsa, which was basically like Mississippi (laughs) in the Midwest. Yeah. So, um, I did not like Tulsa at all. Yeah. And now I travel back and forth to Orlando for work. So, until well, that, we relocate. That puts so much of what you said earlier in perspective. I don't know. I, I think um, uh, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Mississippi has some of the the lowest uh i guess I, I don't i don't know how they base off like scores or whatever in terms of like public schools like historically speaking so to me that puts into context like you saying that like you've um you've like won awards for your writing you've done all or all sorts of stuff in that like it it sounds like it's it that which is cool because it sounds like you're coming from somewhere where I guess people would not expect award an award winning writer to come out. And I'm did you come out of the public school system there? Yeah. Okay. I, well, I went to private school until okay. well, I guess I went to private school until middle school, and okay. then um, I came to I was in high school here in in Jackson. So, and one of the reasons why my mom actually moved here from the Delta, um, and no, no diss to the Delta at all. They, mm-hmm. You know, there are good schools everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the truth. Even where there are majority bad schools, there's mm-hmm. always going to be, you know, a good school in the mix. Mm-hmm. But, um, but moved here so that I could have better educational opportunities. The high school I went to was college preparatory. And so... Um, and she was just really, just really, uh, intentional Mm -hmm. about providing that opportunity for me. Uh, she was a teenage mom, you know, had kind of like, she had done all the work to like, she was working retail and like going to school, you know, trying to, yeah, make a better life for us. And and education was a huge uh, piece of that for her. And so, um, she wanted to make sure I had the best opportunities possible, and and she did. Um, yeah. She made a lot of sacrifices for me to to be where I am with three degrees. Yeah. So, and she's a principal now, actually. So she's got her own come up story. Wow, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, no, but yeah. No, Mississippi's at the bottom, probably still educationally. Right. Yeah. No. It's and I think um, uh, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know if I was reading it in a, in a specific, um, like maybe area of like study or whatever, but I know Baltimore city was basically 
near somewhere near there and and i'm from baltimore so um, yeah yeah no so so it's it's just one of those things where it's like um uh because like even growing up like the the kids that um did really really well i guess because of the nature of the city they they stood out even more in that it's like man like like uh because i guess you know a city like boston or whatever there's like this like they have like this like massive kind of like intellectual community where like people Mm -hmm. who care about this field can like just find each other and this and that but it's like you know what i mean like but but not every city kind of just has that like network of people that like maybe are fortunate enough to like not like where maybe the majority of people are fortunate fortunate enough to not like worry about paycheck to paycheck yeah Um, right you know uh so it's just it's interesting i'm always um curious to understand uh like people who come from like blue collar more like blue collar areas or cities that like excel like massively in education because i think having Mm -hmm. that community of people to feed off of is like a big part of it so i'm always just interested to see how like people like stand out in in certain areas and um man that that that's so interesting like i mean like what how how old were you when you um realized like it was specifically like writing that was going to be your thing um you know probably so for me writing you you talked about having something having something fun um and kind of i guess an outlet for me uh something that's relaxing um that was writing Mm -hmm. for me um i wrote a piece uh, my dad tragically passed away when i was seven And when I was about, uh, I think, 12, I was reflecting on his funeral and just the dynamics of his funeral and the dynamics of how um, different people in my family processed his death. And so I was just kind of considering all the perspectives, like me as his daughter, my mom, who was his fiance at the time, my grandmother, his mom. And I, I ended up just kind of writing about it. And I I put it together in like an actual like story, I guess. And I printed a copy off. I gave one to my mom, my grandmother, and it ended up, apparently it was so wonderful. It ended up kind of like circulating through my family. And, um, and my family started to just really speak into my life about how gifted of a writer I was. And before then, it was just me just jotting down my thoughts. I journaled a lot. I wrote in diaries, you know, that kind of classic stuff. But that was the first time I'd ever really put anything out there, especially for my family. You know, it's one thing to, like, write in school because you're, like, supposed to write in school. (laughs) But, um, you and you know this a lot of times the people who are closest to us their obviously their opinions matter the most and maybe they shouldn't always because they don't always have the most yeah, <laughs> encouraging opinions yeah. but um but I've been really blessed to have my family affirm um that gift and so uh, I figured I was like well maybe I, I really have something with this and then when my teachers started to really, affirm and um, take a, especially like my English and writing teachers would take a special interest in me when I would submit that first paper. It was like automatic chemistry between me and those English teachers because they're like, you know, you've really got something and I want to help you. 
to develop. And I'm like, okay, so it's not because, you know, sometimes it's like it's all in your head and you got and and also to like that rush that you get when you're when you're writing something and like you it's just like it it flows. It's the one thing that I don't have to. Obviously, it requires effort, especially in the editing process. But in the initial dump, man, that is just like a high, like wow. no other. It's like just putting those words on the page. And then, of course, I've got to go back over it and refine it and edit it and look up a grammar rule for this and that and all of that. But, um, but yeah, and so like even now, you know, I'll write something on social media. And, and again, this is not, this is, this, for me, this is not like a, it's not a brag. It's not even a humble brag. But I'll write something, it'll get, you know, four or 500 likes or loves or whatever. And it's just me thinking about something and just sort of putting it down because I feel it's important to say. And so I figure out a way to creatively say it. And so that's also another way that I'm just like, okay, because a lot of times I just feel like my voice feels really small because I don't consider myself someone who can speak well or is very articulate, and especially compared to a lot of the people that I know. I mean, I'm a lawyer, so right. I'm a, okay, well, I'm you, you must know so. some like crazy well-spoken oh. people because you're very well-spoken. So <laughs> bless you, and so are you. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I do like and when you're. I mean, if you're around preachers and lawyers. I mean, they're some of the most <laughs> yeah. articulate, eloquent people you, you would ever meet, and so. I'm very, um, very intimidated by, by speaking publicly. And so writing is the one way that I really feel in control of my voice. And um, so to know that like you kind of put something out there and people are listening and people are inspired by, it, it's really, really humbling, but you can't help but, but realize like, okay, so I've really got something here that matters, um, that I can use for, for good. And, um, yeah, so it's definitely writing. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I have so much respect for, um, I I had on, uh, obviously, uh, Dr. Robbins and a a friend of hers, um, who's also poet, uh, uh, Lori. And, um, anyway, like there, I, and then now you, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but like, um, I have respect for like great writers. I'm a terrible writer, like terrible, terrible, terrible writer. I've, yeah, no, dude, I've always, I've always, I wish like, I wish. You're probably like, not as terrible as you think. Oh no, dude, I'm, I'm, so, it takes me like 20 minutes to like finally like indent everything the way like 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 just to like get the like template set up to just start writing the paper because like I'm not tech savvy at all and it's just like wait like. But like, I'm, I want this to be like on the other side of the page. It's just like, it's weird, man. And, and like, uh, no, growing up, I was that kid where it's just like, man, I will give, I wish I could just like give this 10 page paper on like Abe Lincoln as like a voice memo. Like I, I did the work. Yeah. Like I, I have, I have like my opinion. I've got like my argument and supporting like details and stuff. But any, like, I just get, I just like freeze when it's like time to like, write it down because I can't you know all the like all the likes that I'm saying right now and all the stuff like when you when like every single word has to be purposeful I freeze because like oh you can't I guess like yeah there's no I've always felt like there's no me in writing (laughs) which is very interesting because I'm always interested to see how someone feels more like themselves when writing like that man like so so 
Um, I also, I, I don't, this, like, I, maybe I've downplayed the impact of this, but like, I grew up with, um, uh, so I'm, I'm a first generation uh, kid. My, my parents came here from Nigeria in the mid 80s. Um, so oh, cool. yeah, yeah. So like, like that explains like, your last name, right? Yeah, no, that explains my every name. Like, the, <laughs> well, how yeah. do you pronounce your last name? Uh, Atikpo. Atikpo. Okay, yeah. I figured that you were not like let's say regular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No. It, it'd be it'd be uh, h- hilarious if like that was just like so. My full name is Osita Denma Atikpo. And, oh, um, nice. yeah, okay. no, like people Very ask me, cool. they'll be like, no, it's, it's just always funny when like white people are kind of confused because like they know like black people can be like creative with their names. So they're just right. like, it's just like just another one of those like creative African-American names. Or are you like, like, like a different kind of black? And I'm like, nope, I'm a different kind of black. That's right. That's well, what you're the last asking. name is the good, is the good word for yeah. just the black people are like, um, yeah, yeah. My my main last name is Robinson, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like Jackson or yeah. Just, <laughs> but yeah, okay, yeah. cool, very yeah. cool. No, I'm so sorry. no, no, no. You're good. You're good. So I mean, that that I was really just saying that just because like, um, really, my first language, uh, in terms of like, um, like I feel more comfortable receiving uh, our native language Igbo than I do than I did English. Probably like the first ten years of of my wow. life, even though I grew up here, because like in the house it was just full Igbo. Like I can speak it and uh, understand it um, uh, fluently. So I think like like I always just wonder like going back home and working on English assignments, and I guess not really having parents that like. Um, uh, like English was like really yeah, their focus right. and stuff. So I felt I, maybe, maybe like there was just a little bit of like extra pressure from like, like mm-hmm. low, low key. I should have like maybe done like an ESL thing at some point, yeah. you know, <laughs> but it's like, it's weird though, because like, how do you explain that? And like, you're born here in the sense that yeah. um, I think, I think I needed to like strengthen my relationship with the English language on like a higher level. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Cause like, I guess like, and of course, no, no, um, uh, 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 it's not their like fault or anything. They're just not from here. But like, I, I probably yeah, right. spoke better English than they did, um, which is hilarious because they're great writers. Because in Nigeria, um, because the British uh, colonized Nigeria, like mm. some some Western uh, countries are they were colonized English. by, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they, and they like you know uh, uh, Ivory Coast colonized mm-hmm. by the French, so they're like really really good at uh, writing and speaking French. So yeah. um, people uh, Nigerians are really really good at writing English because you learn it from a technical level, but um, uh, in terms of speaking it, uh, the language, uh, the native languages in English are just so. Um, they're way, way different. Yeah, um, right. You know, so anyway, but yeah, like, like that, that's, uh, so I guess I always felt more comfortable as a, as a, uh, speaker because like I had a decent ear and I felt like I could like pick up on how to speak better or speak well than I could on like how to write better. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's, it's, but it's anyway, it's interesting to always meet people who like feel uh, like their voice is, is stronger as, as a writer. Um, like, yeah, yeah for writing for you, was it, was it like, um, I mean, I guess, was it somewhere where like you felt like you could kind of um, maybe put things like, 
uh, down that were maybe harder to put into words in terms of like oh, speaking yeah. to somebody? Okay. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that I really struggled with. Um, like I said early on in my lawyer career, I'm still considered a baby lawyer. Um, <laughs> so I've only been an attorney for a little over three years. So, um, but so I thinking well my feet. Yeah. And, and it's not that, I guess it's more like speaking well with my feet. But when you're in, especially when you're in a court proceeding, um, and the proceedings that I have done the most have been, um, they call them minor settlement hearings. So whenever a minor is injured in some kind of accident, you know, auto accident, premises liability, their settlements have to go through the court because they're not old enough to receive the funds. So they're, they're, you know, their parents have to receive the funds on their behalf and all the things. So... Um, I would do minor settlement hearings, which were super simple. I mean, you basically have like a script that you read and, you know, maybe the judge will ask a question or two that would throw you off. But if you were prepared, it was fine. Um, And social security hearings, which those were all over the place because, you know, clients were trying to get get social security disability and you may prep them to testify one way and they go that's fine. Another one. Wait, not not to not to interrupt, but can I can I okay. ask you? Is is yeah. this like is what what like this is? Is this the type of thing that like we would see as regular people like in commercials where like were you in an accident or were you involved in this <laughs> call? Right. This like okay, so what, what it was yeah. kind of like like similar to to like that kind of energy where it's like yeah, well, okay. well, the minor settlements were pretty much at that point the money like the all of the back and forth had been that was done like okay. the case was settled there was an amount and the attorneys were coming and just asking that the judge would issue the amount to the minor's guardians or whatever. Okay. So there wasn't like a lot of, it, it wasn't adversarial okay. um, at all. And neither were social security proceedings. But um, but I was going to say that I, um, oftentimes I would leave those hearings, like when I was questioned and maybe I like fumbled over an answer, I knew the answer, but I wasn't able to articulate it in the way that I could write it. I would really beat up on myself. And and I thought to myself, I was like, man, you know, if I had the opportunity to really just think about it and and write it and piece piece the words together on paper, and then I could have like read what I had on the paper, it would have, it would have gone across so much, you know, more smoother or whatever. So I certainly think that um, for me, like I can put things better and and as a matter of fact, it's funny you ask that because a lot of people, like when I preach or even when I make presentations at work, I recently made just a really like minor presentation to one of our departments. It wasn't even really a presentation. It was just kind of presenting some information, uh, critical information to them. And um, one of my paralegals uh, or corporate paralegals, she was like, you know, you did such a great job. Um, at explaining that, well, I wrote it down and I memorized it. <laughs> and so even when I um, preach, I always write out the intros to my sermon. I can, I can, you know, just kind of wing it. Cause by that time I've warmed up and as preachers call, I feel my help, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel the help of the Holy Spirit. So I'm just, I can kind of flow. But in the very beginning, because I'm not as confident in my ability to just sort of think and speak and think and speak and, and that flow in me, I just, the, the safe space is to write it down. I know that it, that it's put together and it sounds, it sounds good. And then when I memorize it, 
I literally like practice it. Like I look at myself and make sure it looks natural and it doesn't sound memorized. And it sounds good, but it's not coming off the dome by yeah. any means. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So that's just how how much how confident I am in my writing abilities and how I kind of integrate it to help with my yeah with my speaking. So. Oh man, I, I, yeah, I, I can already just tell from like the the time I've uh, spoken to you. Like I, I I bet you read a kick-ass sermon like that. That <laughs> I can I can just like like tell. Like do you do you ever have at like like um. Are, are there ones where, like, in a way, they're almost like an opportunity for you to like vent things that that maybe you you like? It's it's interesting because from my perspective, um, uh, uh, I've always seen preachers like light up during their sermons, not just because it's like this like moment or whatever, but like I feel like I can tell like on some weeks or something like there's something that they're speaking to that like, of course, it's for the people. Uh, right, for the congregation, yeah. but like it also is really resonating with them. So like, do you have like moments where like maybe what you're touching on is just like hitting in ways that like maybe give you that extra like umph in your delivery? Yeah, well, you know, most of the times when I'm asked to to go and preach somewhere, it's usually on a specific topic. Um, and normally it's centered on like women and healing, healing from low self-esteem, low self-worth, insecurity, toxic relationships. And so I have lived there, all those places (laughs) in a very real way. And, um, and there were, you know, certain scriptural passages that the Lord really used to, um, to heal me and to restore me. And so um, particularly when I'm asked to go and and teach or preach on those topics, I mean, I'm, I'm fired up the wow. entire time because I have lived there and um, have moved into a realm that is that is such a, a whole and and healthy and blessed life from where I've come from. And I'm very passionate about getting, helping women also get from point A to point B um, and to like realize like who they are and how valuable they are. And as a result, cut off all the, the toxicity, yeah. <laughs> you know? And the craziness and to heal from the childhood traumas. And so, you know, yeah, when I get, when I'm, when I'm talking on that, it's just, wow, it's very, it's deeply, deeply personal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's, uh, I mean, it's one thing, like you, you said, you've, you've been in those shoes, but then to also uh, be in that moment where like, you're like, they're like, looking in the eyes of people that you can see are also in that moment and then realizing like, man, like you have an opportunity to like, um, you know, cause, cause we're all, we're all like, uh, it's not that like your, maybe your sermon or whatever would be the one thing that would get someone from like point A to point Z, but like you have that ability to like be the nail in the coffin for someone to like realize like, 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 everything that led to this moment like you could be that like thing that like you know culminates it and 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 leaves that person like um uh maybe they've been through all this stuff and you're that thing that puts it into perspective uh for them so um now that that's that's just interesting and i and i I noticed that too because i i guess that's the 
you know, before we like wrap up and, and everything, I, I, uh, cause on your, um, uh, I, my apologies, I forget the name, um, but I know you're CEO of your own, uh, yeah, like the you writing firm. company. Yeah. 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 Cause I saw in your bio, it was like lawyer, but it was like Lloyd, but like H E R yeah. and a couple <laughs> other things. And, and I was like, I just thought yeah. it was so cool, but yeah, I guess go ahead and, and talk about that a little bit if you want. Um, yeah. So wait about the business or. Oh what? no. Uh, uh okay. yeah. About, What's about the, the business. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, that started so I was where I was con I was being contracted as an editor for um a Christian publishing company and that my best friend was like she was a consultant for so she kind of pulled me in to that and um I started doing that and I was like editing you know people's manuscripts mostly memoirs which is really fun because you know people writing about their lives but I'll be real with you and just say that um because of the caliber of writing that I um, try to possess and I try to encourage others to um, aspire to, I had a really hard time like working with that because it was one of those like pay to publish companies, yeah. you know, and it's like the, the writers aren't vetted <laughs> very seriously. So, um, Man, I hate to just say this, but I am Nasha. And so I'm just going to say, like, some of the stuff was just, like, purity trash. <laughs> you know? It was. It was, like, very trash, right? The stories were amazing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, the, the triumph in them, the, the tests and trials, and just the victories was amazing to hear and learn. But, like, it was, writing, it was written so poorly that it's like, man, you know? And so I found myself literally having to do rewrites, versus just editing. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, I said, you know, I really want to come alongside people who, number one, feel like they have a gift to write. Like, I'm not going to be out here playing with these people. Like, if you can't write, we just going to hire somebody. You yeah. will let you, trans, you know, transcribe your story. <laughs> uh, we'll record you and then we'll, we'll pay somebody. Like, you need a ghostwriter. Um, and I'm definitely that person. Like, when people come to me for a consult and I do uh, just kind of what I call, like, a, a writing assessment and I'll just say, like, you need to hire somebody. But for people who really feel called to write, I wanted to coach them into um, being the best writer that they can be. And so um, I also do write content for people, mostly brand strategy content. I want to, I feel like, um, I, I hate when I see someone who has, um, the, they have a great brand or the potential for a great brand, but they're using, like, poor writing to promote it. And mm -hmm. I think for some people, not all, depends on who your, you know, brand constituency, uh, who, who they are. But, you know, for some people, like I'll, I'll look at something and if like the writing on it is like really bad, I'll just be like, you know, I'm, I'm like maybe questioning like the caliber of your product too, because, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the writing that you're using to promote it is, is, is subpar. So, I, so I, I do write, um, I don't ghostwrite books for folks. And I get, that's probably the question I get the most is like, do you ghostwrite? I'm like, no, and my writing is so precious to me. There's yeah. no way that I could, especially in, from a creative standpoint, because a lot of the brand strategy stuff is just technical writing, yeah. you know, like learning about the product, figuring out a way to describe it. And, um, and I'm going to even charge for that. Cause I mean, you know, you, you know, like I'm just, 
yeah. I can't I can't create a blue ride for you, but I can't give it away. It's it's mm-hmm. too dear. Um and then I coach writers and then I edit. So I do still edit for people. Um, and that's pretty much what the business is. Yeah. Uh, my mom works with me some. I get my writing, a lot of my writing acumen from her. She's also a writer and she's actually getting ready to release her first book through my company's self-publishing support arm. Oh, so that's man. really exciting. Oh, that's and it was so cool. Book. Yeah, it was a book she wrote to me when I was in high school. So um, it's like a collection of words of wisdom. So yeah. that's really fun. But but yeah, so that's what I I do. That's my hustle, my side hustle. But I really, and I mean, you know how it is. Like if, you, if you're working at eight to five, it's like really hard to, <laughs> you know, kind of yeah. promote the business um, yeah. at the rate that you want to. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to just put it out there more. But most of my clients are word of mouth. I don't really struggle a lot with trying to advertise because it, you know, trying to do social media advertising will just drive you bonkers. If you're just like oh, not yeah. a natural at it, mm-hmm. which I'm not at promoting myself and business on social media, like it'll, it, it's so much pressure yeah. to like, you know, do the reels and the videos and the samples and the, you got to keep people inspired too, you know, along with just saying like, Hey, this is what I do. I'm good at what I do. Like yeah. come and, and see me, let me help you. You got to also like just keep them connected to the platform. And that's a whole lot of yeah. just stuff I don't have time for right now. So yeah. um, most of my clients are word of mouth and word, word of mouth advertising is it proves to be fruitful. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah. it's the best advertising. I still believe that I'm old school in that way. So, yeah, you know, something uh, uh, I think is it's it's so um uh, with what you said, it happens in music too, just in different ways in that like yeah. the story. So in your world, the story can be great, but the writing can be poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, this is the case with uh, musicians too, in that like, um, unfortunately it doesn't just come down to like, a lot of times it could just be like the awareness, the lack of awareness of like the importance of the technical aspect of making music. But a lot of mm-hmm. times it can also just be that like, uh, high-end microphones are just way out of budget. High-end recording is just way out of budget. Yeah. So it's, but it's, but you know, it's it's ruthless in the sense that like the consumer doesn't really care if they if when they hear a song they want it yeah, to sound right. as Great. good as it does on the radio from like a technical perspective. Like then you know the, that that in that way the consumer is ruthless. And like I've heard fantastic songs that have just been like done with like poor uh recording like the recording yeah. is bad but the song itself is great mm-hmm. so it's just interesting that you you say that in that like i've never thought of uh writing in the way that you're absolutely right in that like i guess anything i've ever started and where i felt it was poorly written like you don't even get to like the story is like so much less important um uh when like the 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 quality of the writing itself is poor because like you immediately yeah. notice that and you then you like you just stop you know reading whatever that thing is so <laughs> right. no but any I, I just I just it's so interesting that that is like exactly how music is um oh wow from a technical yeah. you know aspect it's like man if I start playing some song for you like um uh 
you know, unless it unless it's intentionally poor quality in the sense that like we all have heard like songs from like the the 30s or 40s and yeah. like that you know that that's like literally just what they had. So it's not like yeah, right. it's not poor in the sense that like it's trying to like live up to like a, a standard that we hold things to now. Um, but anyway, man, it's just it's just it, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, well a- anyway. Dude, that is it's, really interesting. It's true. Yeah, and and it's cool. All all the stuff that that you do, like being the, uh, which is, it's just, I think you're you're one of the more unique people I've had on the podcast so far. Because like, wow. yeah, no, I because I I feel like speaking and writing are it tends to be this thing where it's like you're either good at this or good at yeah. that but like you're it's weird because i i know you don't you, oh, you're, <laughs> yeah no because you're you're you compared yourself earlier to like you know you know preachers and lawyers that are just like this like they can articulate on a crazy level but like i, I would say that like just bait like speaking on you now like you have like one of the best blends of speaking and writing like i've ever come across and that like I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, that no, means a lot. <laughs> for, for sure. Like a lot of people I know that are like great writers are not like the best people to even just talk to in, in general. You know, like, like now, some writers don't like, like to talk, which is why, which is why they write. They don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So, so it's, uh, it's interesting, man. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of, I'm not sure there's a lot of like writer, lawyer, preacher combos out there. Like that's just an interesting skill set to be doing at a high level. So, um, yeah, no, um, applause to you for sure. Um, (laughs) And yeah, no, I know we're 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 running out of time, you know, but but like, yeah, no, I just I feel like I've gotten some just some insight in like. I guess what what with what you're doing, and again, like the blend of everything that you're doing, like it, I guess maybe to close out. I mean, how would you, what what maybe advice or um, uh, pointers would you give for maybe someone who's like also in that moment in their life where they're like trying to like blend multiple things that they really enjoy or care about, and like you know make it work in their day? Like, like what what could you say to that? Yeah, I I probably would say um, let it flow. Mm. And that, from personal experience, that is a lot easier said than done. Um, but I, I really, especially before I started working um, in the area of law where I am now, which is kind of where I was always trying to go um I really and I still do some I really struggled with um wondering whether some of the time that I had invested in in other things whether it was writing or music or intellectual property or ministry or law even if any of it mattered you know (laughs) It's like, am I ever going to get a return on all of these investments and the time that I have devoted to um, these crafts and these these areas of, of work and ministry and just contribution to making the world a, a better, more humane place? And it's a sad spot. It can be, like you said, it's somebody who's yeah. there trying to figure out 
how are all the pieces going to come together? It's a really sad, it can be a sad, discouraging, dark Mm. spot because you equate it to the meaning of your life. Like you've poured yourself into these things and, and, and it's not coming together. Mm. So, um, I would just say that all, all you can do is what you can do in the present moment. Yeah. yeah. So whatever, and I don't, you know, for, for those who are Christians, but what, you know, certainly pray about it, but whatever, whatever you feel called to, um, whatever is, and, and I mean, you hear this so much, but that for me, it was always, what are the things that I can do that obviously, you know, I want to get paid and money is important. Okay. That's a whole yeah. nother podcast <laughs> <laughs> for a whole nother day. But the thing that you can do so passionately that like money is not your first, that's not your first question. Like, well, how much does it pay? Yeah. You know, that's not your first wow. Like, of course, as you kind of grow, go up in the professional, you know, yeah. <laughs> ranks, then uh, that's a huge question to consider. But those things that just like naturally flow out of you that you're passionate about, you have to just keep being and doing, being and doing. So in, in my, in my world, it's putting faith with your works, you know, yeah. like you keep working and you keep believing, you keep working and you keep believing and you keep pursuing opportunities. And this was a huge thing in helping me to, uh, kind of get to where I am, I guess, is not taking disappointment personally mm. um, and not taking, not internalizing a closed door as and you talked about this earlier a little bit, O.C., as, as the determination that I am not enough mm. or that I cannot do this or that, well, because at one point I was just like, well, you know, I'll just pursue this because this, this is never going to open up. And it's like, no. You can do all the things in time, but you've kind of just got to, I'm a very futuristic person. Like when I do personality assessments, like I'm a, I'm a visionary. Yeah. And so I'm always like in the future, like thinking about what the future is going to look like, but it helps to be fully present in the moment and say, okay, like what can I do today that, um, that utilizes my gifts that um, nurtures my passions, that that cultivates my core, um, that contributes again to the world in a meaningful way. Like, what can I do today? And just do those things today. I'm not saying don't set goals for the future, but eventually you just end up where you're supposed to be, you know, as a result of God's providence. You just land. Yeah. where you're supposed to land. Um, and for me, it's like, don't, don't limit yourself. You'll know if something's not working, you need to just set it aside, you know, yeah. or even there are things that are just not, they're not bad or they're not never. They're just not right now. Yeah. You know? So yeah, you just kind of got to flow, you know, you got to be in tune with God and tune with yourself and and yeah. just live every day as if it were your last and wow. eventually you'll get there. Yeah. You will. Now that, that is all so solid. And um, like, I think uh, um, like you had said earlier in terms of you can get into a really dark place um, when just like, you know, thinking about yourself or 
um, and what like you're you're really doing and hoping that your time pays off. Um, yeah, I, I I think like the the one of the you know piggybacking off of that like one of the worst headspaces you can get to, um, especially if you're like trying to do something that like is unique and and you don't look around and see a lot of people uh, doing those <laughs> things or like at least maybe it's not things that like are unique or you know crazy separately but the combination of things you're trying to do is unique and right, um, yeah. a lot of times like you know that being said like I think the worst headspace you can be in is like when you, you kind of ask yourself and we all ask ourselves like this maybe differently but like you're like why did I like ever think I was like special to like do this thing like that that I think that that's mm-hmm. I've I've noticed that in that like in T- like tough times where like maybe I'm doing a, you know I did podcasting music thing and then the teaching thing and other stuff there'll be times where it's just like yo like like uh you know and they're rare luckily I think like the 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 um uh oh, what am I trying to say like we all get into our emotions um yeah, but right exactly <laughs> but like the 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 what makes us difference is like or what makes us different is how big of a hole we dig ourselves like emotionally and that like like if you if you have like a uh if you lose some confidence or doubt in yourself like are you like are you trying to get above that or are you just like adding like more shit on your on yeah. your head you know what i mean like like and and luckily and i say that because i've always felt lucky that like those moments for me last like literally will like last minutes where i'd like i'll just try to snap out of it and be like yo like what are you talking about man like just just like you know the worst thing you can do is just quit that that's like the, the that's the worst thing you can do and like anytime i like remember that i get like amped up again just because it's like yeah like like um in a way i guess what i'm saying is like in a way something that I think everyone can find comfort in is that like doubt is a part of the game of like being human. Like it it just, it's like, if it, if you look at those moments where you're doubting yourself or don't believe in yourself, if you, if you look at it more so as like, okay, this is just like part of being a person and like, like not taking it personally, then I feel like that really helps to keep going at least it helps me in that like i just get very comfortable knowing that like every human faces this feeling in some Mm -hmm. way shape or form so like here's i guess for me this is my moment where i'm being tested or this or that and um yeah it's like it's like uh it's especially since starting this podcast like one thing you definitely realize is that like we're all low-key on the same journey. We're just, like, using different vehicles yeah. to, like, go down our path. But, like, we all have very similar wants and needs. So um, we're, a lot, we're a lot more similar than we are different. And yeah, it's a human experience. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So... Uh, anyway, I guess that is my sermon for the podcast. No, that, that's like, <laughs> you, you said something that made me think about um, Bishop T.D. Jakes often says, like, you know, it, because we're human, like we we may park in certain spots, you know, or even camp out in certain places, mm. but don't live there. You know, and like mm. you said, you just got to it's it's really important to know that we're going to. You know, we may park at failure every now and then or, you know, camp at discouragement or, yeah. or disappointment or whatever, but we don't have to 
we don't have to live there. We definitely don't have to let that stuff define us, man. Because that's when you start really like entering into like a toxic headspace that you can't get out of. Like you said, like you just dig yourself so deep, and yeah, um, you just gotta keep going. Yeah, even when it doesn't feel good, that's a big part of it too. Like when it doesn't feel good, when it's not comfortable, um, when you're not feeling it, like yeah, just gotta keep going, and eventually. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and to like people like listening, I mean, even if it's, I think like maybe a, a, a even clearer examples, like we all have friends that like, um, I don't know, maybe there's, there's a, a something where like, there's a day one to it. Like imagine, let's just like pretend we all have like a friend that participates in the Olympics uh, and like it's day one of the Olympics and like they don't do well um, in like that first race or whatever, but there's still like 17 days left of competition. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's still, there's like this relay and this thing and this, that. So like, you know, afterwards you're with them at the, you know, the restaurant or bar that night. And like your Olympian friend is like, man, like today was, was, um, not great. And like, man, like I'm, you know, I like, I don't think tomorrow's going to be great either. And like, it's, it's always, moments like that where I'm just like, like, this sounds really basic, but like, y'all, like, I feel like you always have to remind yourself that like, it's your goal to like, want to be happy and like, want to be excited and want to be confident and like mm-hmm. what you're doing in that, like, like, um, you know, in that, in that example, it's like, why would you, why would you predict for yourself that day two is going to be terrible? Like, why, why, why are you doing that to yourself? Like, you know what I mean? It's so, so you, you, it, again, like it, it kind of sounds, it's like funny to say out loud, but like, you have to remind yourself that like, you have to want to be happy. Cause like, it's very easy to just like, somehow like like expect yourself to fail and it's like why 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 are you doing that to you you know what i mean like like it's it's so we, and oftentimes we yeah. you will because yes. we are like the ones who get in our way yeah you know, anybody or anything else yeah yeah like, absolutely right but you know anyway to, to close that out that was just like a uh uh you're preaching now so yeah uh, <laughs> exactly i don't know i don't know one more thing you want to ask no dude may, maybe <laughs> maybe dude who knows yo it, it, it might be coming but okay um, i'll be on the lookout yeah maybe maybe low-key this podcast was just an, like an excuse for me to like get all my sermons out like all the things that go. i just like <laughs> have on society but um, anyway, no, nah, man, I'll, well, we, we can, you know, c- conclude it here, but you're honestly, you're just, you're a fucking pleasure to talk to 100%. Awesome. You're, you're awesome. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that it's weird. Cause like you, you, so I'm 24, you, you mentioned earlier, 33. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> and, That's a good it's, man. That's a no, slight. That's no, slight. no, no. It's weird because you, 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 you command like a, um, uh, uh, like a an authority. I can't really put it into words, but like I feel like I'm like talking to someone that is like very, very, very wise. Like, uh, like you look young, but like I feel like I'm talking to like one of like Hollis's friends or something. Like, like you guys have like both been like experts for like twenty, thirty years in what you do. Yeah, you know. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, no, you, you command a lot of respect and, and authority. So I, I love that. Um, so yeah, man, to, to people listening, you heard it too. Like you're, this was, this was a great, um, a lot of topics that I just have not like 
again, I would probably never naturally um, come across myself law, law and its place in like religion and uh, just like also like, you know, it's all of it, man. So thank you just for, for coming on here and doing this. Um, and uh, yeah, for people listening, uh, thank you if you listened all the way to the end. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a song called Life, and we are done. Peace. Peace.